Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, we're back, and we're continuing in our series um, through uh, the nice little letter of Jonah. This is our Go 2020-2020 series, where we're trying to re-energize ourselves as the body of Christ into seeking opportunities to share our faith, because I believe strongly that the highest call we can have is absolutely that Luke 19.10 statement of Jesus that he came to seek and save that which is lost. And so we have been saved, we have been found, we're followers of Christ now, and we're to go out and we're to find other people. But I want to begin by uh, sharing a few things today, um, because I want us to be revived by remembering. That's how I've titled it, and hopefully it makes sense to you as we go along. But have you ever, have you ever frequented a place that you really like? It could be a restaurant, could be a location it could be a vacation spot it could be any of those things and you really like it you went there frequently but all of a sudden you quit going and uh, you actually forgot about the place now you didn't stop going because you didn't like it there was nothing negative in the experience you kind of just forgot you forgot that you used to do that which you thoroughly enjoyed in your life. Well, about um, three years ago, my wife and I decided to go with another couple to a place that my wife and I, our first three or four years of marriage, we would go there pretty regularly. And I remember taking Vanessa when she was in the car seat still. And the place is uh, Carmel, Monterey area. And we used to love to go there. And when we go there, uh, we just enjoyed ourselves. And we had forgotten that we used to go there, and so we decided to go three years ago. And when we got there, we visited the spots that we used to visit when we used to enjoy ourselves there. And one of our favorite places is called the 17-Mile Drive. And uh, it's one of the more beautiful drives up there. And it drives along the uh, Pebble Beach Golf Course. Um, but more than that, it's right on the beach. And I believe there's sea lions out there, is what they're called. And they're out there on the rocks, and it's just magnificent. And while we were there, we remembered. Something going back there sparked a memory, an enjoyment that we once had when we were there. We remembered a time when we were parked along one of the park spots of the 17-mile drive, and we had a bag of potato chips. And uh, we pulled out chips. We're in the car, and windows up, and we held the chips up to the window like this, to our windshield, and all the seagulls came and started descending on our car. Now, they thought they could get the chips, but we were inside the car. And then we thought, because we're having fun now, and this is a long time ago, what if we put the chips on the outside on the windshield? And so we, we shoot them all the way, drove down. We put the chips on the outside uh, on our windshield. Roll up the windows, got back in, but this is in the car seat. And the seagulls, 
they descended like a frenzy. I thought I was in the movie The Birds, Alfred Hitchcock. It was terrifying. No, it wasn't terrifying. It was actually a lot of fun. And we remembered that we used to enjoy that, and we did those things. And it brought back a lot of good feeling, a lot of good memory of something that we used to enjoy, and we just stopped doing it. You know, there's something about God that he just seeks to revive us through remembering. He's going to take Jonah into an experience that's going to revive him. And you'll see later on, because Jonah's job is a prophet. He's a messenger of God. And he has forgotten what it's like to do what he's supposed to do and to share that faith. Guys, I guarantee you many of us, we're like that trip to Carmel. We used to share our faith when we were first saved. We looked for opportunities. And somehow, not because it was intentional, we just forgot. We forgot that we used to do that. We forgot how enjoyable that was. And God has to come along and revive us. The same way when I went back to Carmel, I thought, this is fun. Why did I stop doing this? And sharing our faith, it revives us. We need those memories to bring us back to sharing those things. Jonah is going to go through an experience now, and it's going to revive him. It's going to bring him back to what he's supposed to do in his life. And I hope to revive us through the memories that we used to do these things. This is part of our faith. Because you see, one of the memories that we need to remember, in my strong opinion, is this. That we need to remember what it was like to be a lost person. Oh, I know it sounds almost wrong, but I think we do. We need to remember what it was like to be lost and to be in darkness. We need to remember what it was like to not have the peace that we have now. We need to remember that God has delivered us from addiction. We need to remember that we used to ruin relationships. We need to remember that and see where God has brought us. Because that will revive us to realize that that's where people are out there. We need to be revived. We need to remember. And I think Jonah needs that too. So we're going to look at that today. Now, before we do, we're going to look at our key verse for the series, which is found in Romans chapter 10. And it says this, How then will they call on him, him is Jesus, whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? That's a great little message right there, four points. The previous verse in Romans 10 is verse 13, obviously, but it, Romans 13 says, All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then Paul says this. He says, but they can't call on him if they don't believe in him. And if they, don't, they can't believe in him unless they hear about him. And they, they've never heard about him because there's no preacher, nobody's sharing. There's no messenger. It's a very systematic approach to sharing the gospel. And the way we like to say it in this series is our tagline. If we don't go... How will they know? And that's what that verse is all about. If we don't go, you and I, if we don't share that faith, how will they know? And I'm not saying to go be obnoxious. I'm not going to say go ram down doors. But I would say pray for opportunities and look for those opportunities. Because if you do, the Holy Spirit will bring them to you. And you know what? You're going to find again that that experience of sharing faith was one of the most enjoyable things that you and I used to do and we should be doing now. 
Now, what I'm going to do today is this. I'm going to review for a a couple minutes only, last week, just to give us a little bit of introduction. Then I'm going to give you four points. They're all application, but the fourth point is where I want to drive this idea back home, but they're all valid valid applications from the text. That's what I want to do today. So, So here we go. Now, Jonah, as we left off last week, he is running from God. And you know what? You cannot run from the love of God the way that song said and the band did a fantastic job. He's running from God not because Jonah feels like he's wrong. He feels like God is wrong. God cannot be trusted in his mind. And he hates those people over in Nineveh, those Assyrians, as we shared last week. He buys a ticket in Joppa and he gets on the cruise liner and he thinks, I'm going to outrun God. Yeah, like you can outrun God. And as he tries to get away, he goes down the ship. And then he goes down into the hull and he falls asleep. As it heads toward Tarshish, which is the modern-day Spain area, God sends a storm because, Jonah, you're not getting away. You're my messenger. And you're coming back. And you got, a, you got an assignment I want you to carry out in your life. Now, as the storm is tearing the ship apart and the sailors are freaking out, they think of that guy Jonah who bought a ticket He's down there below, and he's asleep in a storm. How do you sleep in a storm? So they go down, they wake him up, and they ask him questions. Who are you? Where are you from? What are your people? And what's your occupation? And as we said last week, we're asking him his identity. His identity is he's a Hebrew. And your identity, who you are, leads to how you live. Because they ask What do you do? What's your occupation? He's a prophet. He's a messenger. They're reminding him who he is so he can carry out what he's supposed to do if you really put it all together. And he answers. He says, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the God of heaven who created, who made the sea and the dry land. And they hear that. They go, oh, no. Oh, no. Your God made heaven. That's where the storms come from. And he, and he created the sea, and that's the water's all churning up. And they're thinking, how could you do this to us? You're the reason that we're going to die today. You're the reason why we're freaking out right now. And so that's where we find Jonah. Now I'm going to give you four things, like I said. Here we go. Number one, and that is this. Jonah remains silent. That is not a good thing. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 11 and verse 12, we pick up the story. It says, So they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. In other words, getting worse, getting worse. He said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Now think of what they said. They come to him. They realize you're the problem because you are running from your God. And they ask him, what should we do? That reminds me of two different areas in the Bible. When John the Baptist came on the scene and he's preaching away at the Jordan River, repentance. The people ask him afterwards, they say, what should we do? And he explains, you need to repent. And he goes through a lot of repentance for different people. 
And then we go to Acts chapter 2. The day the church was born, when the Holy Spirit came down, Peter preaches the message. 50 days earlier, he's a scared little guy hiding out, denying Jesus, but now he's filled with the power of the Spirit of God, and he's seen Jesus Christ. He has witnessed the resurrected Jesus, and now he's bold as a lion, and he preaches. At the end of it, they ask him, what should we do? And he tells them, you need to repent, you need to put your faith in Jesus, you need to get water baptized, you need to do all these things. They ask Jonah, what should we do? And Jonah says, throw me overboard. Jonah remains silent. Great opportunity to tell him all about Yahweh God. But he shuts down. Now why? Why? There, I think there's multiple ways to speculate why, but let me give you two within this point. I think shame. Shame? Yeah, because you see, when we sin, we say, I've done wrong, I've done bad. Shame says, I'm wrong, I'm bad. Adam and Eve had shame once they sinned, back in Genesis chapter 3. You see, Jonah's off mission. He's out of the will of God. He's not living right. Haven't you ever noticed that when you and I aren't living right, we feel like, how could I possibly share with anyone else? How could I possibly say anything about Jesus Christ? Now, let me, let me try to free some of you. You're never going to be perfect. Every one of us has one, two, or three areas where we always struggle and we're overcoming. We're always there. But guess what? The answer, and, and by the way, and we feel shame like, well, how can I be used by God and how can I share? Well, the answer to, to shame is only one thing, and it took me years to understand this. And I've thought about this now for 31 years. And the only answer to shame, I'm bad and I'm wrong because I don't quite live 100% the way Jesus wants me to do. And the answer is justification. See, Jesus declared you and I innocent when he shed his blood on a cross and we put our faith in him. He justified us. He declared us innocent. We are in him. If I'm completely innocent, how can I be bad and wrong? Huh? How can I be that? That's an impossibility. I choose to live in my standing before God, who God says I am, instead of my state. I can always find things wrong with me that do not live up to the will of God. You live in your standing. But Jonah lives in shame, therefore he's quiet. We don't need to live in that. But let me tell you another reason why I think he goes quiet there. <clears throat> Is it possible? Is it just maybe he really couldn't explain what we would call, for us, the gospel. Maybe we go quiet. Maybe we don't share. Because we don't know how to explain the gospel. We don't know how to share Jesus. And it might be a little intimidating to us sometimes. I learned a hard lesson. I was probably saved, follower of Christ, for maybe four years. I was put into a position. I was a young preacher. I didn't have any hardly uh, maybe a two years experience. And so you're learning a lot still. You, you, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And I was put into a position in, in my mind, life now, in my mind, I should have never been put in that position. I wasn't ready for it. 
but I did learn from it. There was this big concert in Corona. It was going to be a Christian concert with a big name back then, big name. And it was put on at Corona High School, and the church I was at, it was a smaller church, but a, a member in, in that church knew this big name. And uh, they got her to come and sing there. And they, the church I was at, they said, Jim, we want you to give the message that night. We want you to be the evangelist. And I said, okay. You know, when you're younger, you think you're ready for anything, but after the fact, you realize you're ready for not much. And I'll never forget that night. It was packed, Corona High School Gymnasium. And after she finished singing, everybody came for it, come to hear me. And I preached. The place was packed. A handful of people came forward for salvation. You may say, that's great. I felt like a failure. Let me tell you about failing. I've learned something about failure because I've failed many times. Never stop being adventurous. Never stop stepping out and trying. Whenever you fail, ask yourself two questions. I didn't come up with these. I read them in a book years ago. What went wrong? And what would I do different? Instead of wallowing in it and saying, poor me, woe is me, this and that, I'll never accomplish. What went wrong? And what would I do different? Now, fortunately, someone was there that day, a pastor from a church, a big mega church out in the Van Nuys area, who was a friend of our senior pastor. And he passed a message on to our senior pastor who passed the message on to me. And here's what he said, and I'll never forget it, and I've never forgotten it. He said, you need to tell Jim that he needs to preach Jesus. Man, that, that burned in me and burned in me, and I've never forgot that. And he was right. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And I started to learn that night to preach Jesus, to preach that gospel. Because that's really what brings people to God, is Jesus. What's the gospel? The gospel is simple. It is God came to earth, took a human body. Why? So he could experience what you and I experience. Why? So he could overcome temptation. Why? So he could go to a cross. Why? To carry all of our sins, all of humanity's sins. Why? To become the substitute for you and I and take the wrath of God for those sins. To, be, to take the punishment. Why? So you and I could escape all that. He shed his blood. Why? So our sins could be forgiven. And he dies and he's buried. Three days later, he rises from the dead. And eyewitnesses some. Why? So he could offer us new life. That's the gospel. And then you wrap your testimony all around that thing there. And you share that with other people. See, we, we remain quiet because sometimes we, we don't know how to share this gospel. It's a very simple thing. Give it a shot. Pray for opportunity. The second thing is this. Jonah believed all the right things and he did nothing about it. Now watch this, verse 13, 14, 15. It says, however. So Jonah said, throw me overboard. However, the men rode desperately to return to land, but they could not. For the sea was become, becoming even stormier against them. 
Then they called on the Lord. Oh, now they're, now they're calling on, on Jonah's God and said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. Now, I don't know about you. I might have thrown Jonah in when he said I wouldn't have done, gone through all the hoops like that. But they finally throw him in. And can you imagine? The moment Jonah hits the water, it's calm. Isn't that incredible? What would you think at that moment? And they're already calling on God. But I want you to think about this. Jonah is God's messenger. Jonah didn't pray. Jonah didn't obey. And Jonah didn't share. He said, I fear the God of heaven. But where's the evidence? It's an old statement, but it's still a good statement. If you and I were put on trial to prove we were a Christian, would there be enough evidence? Now, I'm not saying that, so I need to balance this. I'm not saying that for you to doubt your salvation. Never doubt your salvation. I, I'm trying to urge you to live out your salvation as a follower of Christ, conforming to the image of Jesus on this planet. See, would there be enough evidence? You know what's interesting on that boat? The, the non-followers of Yahweh, the non-believers, they're, they're doing all the right things. They're praying, they're repenting, they're calling on Yahweh. Jonah, not praying, not repenting, not calling on God. They, they are looking for deliverance. Jonah, he's looking for destruction for the Ninevites over there. You would expect the opposite to be happening, wouldn't you? I, I think I would. But they're acting more like believers than Jonah is, the messenger of God. See, I can believe all the right things and do nothing about it because that's what's happening to Jonah. And the third thing is this. The crew in the boat are desperate for a word of hope. <clears throat> Remember they asked him, what should we do? You know what Jonah's word of hope is? Throw me overboard. Wow. How depressing. How depressing. Don't we like messages of hope? Don't we veer away from doomsday and fear tactics? We love hope. Listen, friends. There are plenty of people in this world that need a word of hope from you and from me. There are plenty of them. We can give them that or we can remain silent. Um, I had this um, thing happen to me. This person, I know them. I don't know them really well, but I know them. And we were at this place together, and I saw them there. And from what I've been told many times, they just don't open up and talk about stuff. I came up to them, and I asked them how they're doing. How's everything going? And they opened up to me everything. I was in shock because I had heard they never open up. And I told them, I'm going to be praying for you because God can do great things. 
Well, about two, three hours go by. And they're leaving because we're at this location. And they're at the front door leaving. And I, I stopped my conversation with someone else. And I ran to them. And I put my arm and I said, wait. I go and pray for you. And at the front door there, I prayed for them. And you could see in their eyes the appreciation and what they said, the thank yous. And I said, I'm going to send you scriptures. And I have been. People need hope. People need hope. And we're the ones that have it. Because we're the ones that have Jesus. You'd be surprised what a word of hope means to somebody in their life at the right time. I remember one time I was driving back um, on Highway 40. And we stopped at some little store right there in the middle of nowhere. I remember went up to pay. And there was a young gal at the counter. And I don't know why, you know, I just, thoughts dropped in my mind and I just went for it. And I told her that God really loved her and God had some really cool things for her in her life. I said, did God want to do some specific things for her? I didn't know her, never met her. And I hardly ever do that, but I felt strongly led. She looked at me. You know what she said? You don't know how much I needed this today. I'll never forget that. And I said, well, I'm glad. And of course, the line behind me and I had to get out of the way and I've never seen her again. But we intersected at a moment in time. Strangers. But the Spirit of God dropped the thoughts in my mind to, to tell her these things. People need hope. Guys, we should be dispensers of hope. They need hope. They needed hope in that ship. And Jonah says, throw me overboard. He gives them nothing. He gives them nothing. But the fourth thing is this. And this is really what I want to talk about today. Jonah experiences the darkness that the Ninevites live in. Now, what, what are you talking about? Well, let, let, me, let me explain. Jonah is on the run. And he goes to Joppa, obviously. He buys a ticket, gets on the ship. They throw him overboard, right? <clears throat> and, a, and a fish swallows him up. Now, Jonah chapter 1, 17 the chapter 2, verse 4, says it like this. And the Lord appointed a great fish, because they've thrown him in the water now. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, come on, you guys really believe that? Let me say something about that. In Matthew, New Testament Gospel, chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the creator of the universe, he affirms that that story is true. He didn't say it was a fable. He didn't say it was some kind of metaphor. He says it's true. And if God in the flesh, who can do whatever he wants to do, says that's true, which Jesus is very instrumental in that story, then it's true. So he gets swallowed up. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then Jonah, who's now in the belly of the great fish, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me. 
I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. Sheol is Old Testament word for hell. So he's in the deep, 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 deep. He says, you heard my voice. That's one of the greatest things there. That no matter how far you think you've drifted from God, no matter how deep, 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 deep you've gone into sin, no matter how close to hell you've been treading, you cry out to God, and God hears your voice. Isn't that great? See, God's not mad at anyone. God wants to save people. It's proven by him trying to get Jonah to go back to Nineveh because he wants to save those people. Goes on to say in verse 3, for you had cast me into the deep. I thought the sailors did. Now Jonah acknowledges that God, you're running the show. (laughs) Into the heart of the seas and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. You know what he says right there? He's saying, I thought you didn't want me anymore. I thought you didn't want me anymore. As I, I, I've run from you. I'm, I'm off mission. I, I thought you didn't want me anymore. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. I'm turning back to you, God. I'm turning back to you. <clears throat> Jonah in the belly of the great fish finally does what he should have done, and that's pray. Jonah in the belly of the great fish understands that God has met him where he thought God wasn't. You can't run away from the love of God. Now here's what I want to bring out in this that I never thought about before until this time through Jonah. He's in the fish, and it's dark. Jonah needed to experience physically darkness, what the Assyrians in Nineveh are experiencing spiritually, darkness. Do you hear what I said? Jonah needed to experience physically what the Ninevites are experiencing spiritually, darkness. When Jesus is on the cross... One of the things that happens is at noontime, at noontime, the sky goes dark. A reason for that is because it's a picture of hell. Jesus is taking all of our sins and torment upon his body. He is our substitute. Hell is unleashed on him. Darkness is part of hell. He says, I thirst. In hell, it's eternal thirst. It's pictures being played all over the place, but it's darkness. When Moses is delivering the Israelites, one of the plagues was a darkness over Egypt, not in Goshen where Israel was, but in Egypt where the Egyptians were. The darkness, it says, it was so dark it could be felt. Jonah is now having to be revived by, being, by experiencing, experiencing something physically that the Ninevites are experiencing spiritually, and that is darkness, pure darkness. Oh, man. Oh, man. I hope you got that right there. <laughs> I remember uh, going back in time, I was saved, this other time, I was saved about three years. And uh, my family, Olivia and I, and um, uh, Vanessa, 
where Vanessa was, well, Olivia was pregnant with Vanessa, that's what it was. And I went with my family, siblings, everybody. Went up to Grants Pass, Oregon, because my siblings love, loved Grants Pass, Oregon. My brother, Bob, many of you know who has passed away, loved Grants Pass. So we would go there. And one time, uh, on the way back, on that particular time, we decided not to come back down Highway 5 to drive back down the center. Let's drive toward the coast and then come down, you know, through Crescent City, etc., to California. When we got to southwest Oregon, the very southwest corner, there's something there called the Oregon Caves. Oh, let's buy some tickets and go there. I like seeing stalactites, stalagmites. I like stuff like that. And we go in the caves. <laughs> and um, there's a point in time inside the caves. We're in far enough. The guide says, here's what I want you to do. Everyone turn up your lights right now. We turn them on. Now take your hand and wave it in front of your face. We did that. It was so dark in there, you couldn't see your hand in front of you. It was dark. My sister, my oldest sister Joanne, at that moment in time, is dark. She says innocently, but out loud and pretty straightforward, she says, this must be what hell's like. I thought, okay, good input, Joanne. I thought, what are we in the family feud? All right, good answer, good answer. It's like, <laughs> but she was right. She was right. Hell is darkness. That's one of its elements, eternal elements. Jonah's in darkness. He's experiencing physically what the Ninevites are living spiritually, they're in darkness. And I just think that God has them in that situation to make them think about that, to remember the condition of those Ninevites, to try to revive him to their plight, to their situation. That's what I think. I got three thoughts for you right now. And I wrote them down. Why don't you think about these as I close? Hmm. What's Jonah learning? First off, he's learning that God can reach anyone, anywhere in the deepest depths of darkness. <clears throat> no matter how a person has messed their life up, there's hope in Jesus. There's no one outside the hope of God. No one. God can reach anyone anywhere. I like that. I like that. The second thought is this. <clears throat> Have we been Christians too long? You say, Jim, what are you saying? Let me finish. Have we been Christians too long? I mean, so long that um, we forgot what it was like when we were in darkness? to live with no hope? Maybe we need to be born again again. And I know that's theologically incorrect and I get it, but I just need to say it that way. Maybe we need to be born again again. You see, Jonah, that fish is going to spit him up on land. It's almost like he's in the womb again, if you think about it. And that fish spits him up. He's like pushed out. He's birthed. 
We were all born again at one point. And what that simply means is the Spirit of God came to live in us when we put our faith in Jesus. But maybe we need to renew the joy of our salvation again and get back to what it was. And the third thought is this. I'll begin with a question. What do fishes do? They swim. Which direction do you think the fish is swimming? West to Tarshish, the area of Spain where Jonah wants to run to? Or east, back to the shores of Israel on the Mediterranean so that he can get off there, be spit up there, and travel the 800 miles to Nineveh? Which way do you think that fish is swimming? It swam back to the shores of Israel, probably back to Joppa, where Jonah took off from. See, God's got this specialty of bringing us back to where we veered off course. But here's why the fish is swimming back there under the direction of God. <clears throat> See, Jonah's gonna be spit up on land He's going to go from darkness into light. He's going to walk in the light again. But he's got to carry out the mission. What's the mission? As you walk in the light towards Nineveh, you're going to invade the darkness. You're going to invade the darkness. Isaiah said the people that walk in darkness shall see a great light. The Ninevites are in darkness. And here comes Nin, here comes Jonah invading the darkness. <clears throat> That's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He invaded the darkness. I am I am fearful. I, I'm that we Christians are just becoming so complacent and comfortable that. We want to run away from the darkness instead of invading the darkness. We want to just get around our own kind and, and where everything's nice and the way we like it. I think if we stood in heaven right now and talked to the disciples who laid down their lives as they invaded the darkness and we told them how we'd like to live our life and go here, they'd probably think, what, what are you talking about? We're called to invade the darkness. God had to take Jonah through these experiences to revive him, to make him remember through his personal experience of darkness, that's the way they're living over there. That's the way they're living over there. And I think we need to be revived and remember what it was like to walk in that darkness, to have no hope, to not know God. So we can get back to the mission. We can get back to going. Now, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you're listening to this message, maybe today's your day to put your faith in Christ. Maybe today's the day that your life changes, that you go from darkness into light. And what do you mean by that, preacher? I mean, when you put your faith in Jesus, asking Him to forgive you your sins, the Spirit of God comes and lives in you. 
and you have now a God consciousness where you just look at life differently. You walk in the light now, the light of God's word. And the scriptures will now make sense to you because the spirit of God illumines them because the spirit lives in you. Your sins would be forgiven. Your name will be recorded in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. You'd be declared innocent of all sin, everything. You'd become a child of God. Would you like that? I hope you would. I'm going to give you an opportunity if you've never placed your faith in Jesus to put your faith in Jesus. Or maybe you backslid. Maybe you walked away. Maybe like Jonah, you just ran. And you've been in darkness. You're, you're, you feel like, oh, I've been in the fish, man. I've been in darkness. And can I really cry to God? Will he really hear me? Well, that's what he said right there. He says in, in chapter 2, verse 2, you heard my voice, God. You heard my voice when I cried from the deep. He'll hear you. He'll hear you. So I hope you place your faith in Jesus again. Rededicate your life. So I'm going to say this prayer right now. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus or you want to rededicate your life, say this prayer. If you're around people and you feel kind of awkward saying it around them, say it in your head. But after we're done, elbow them after say, you know, I said that prayer in my head. I put my faith in Jesus. They need to help you on your road of faith. So I'm going to say the prayer slowly and in blocks. And you repeat it. And you Put faith in Jesus as your Savior, Lord, and Messiah as you repeat this prayer. Here it goes. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for chasing me, for never letting me go. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for shedding your blood, to forgive my sins. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins. And I know I'm forgiven of all of them. I place my faith in you as my Lord, Savior, God, and Messiah. I thank you that I'm saved. Today, I begin my walk with you for the rest of my life. Now, I want to pray. I want you to close your eyes and I want to pray. I want to pray for you. Lord, I just pray for those who prayed this prayer. I hope you continue your you, you continue this start. Continue to watch church. Get to an outside service. Get a Bible. Get the friends around you. Get your Bible. You can come on a Sunday night here. Get a free Bible. They'll show you where to start. Start in the New Testament. Gospels stay there for about a year. I just pray for you that you continue in your faith. You're not going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. But you are saved. And you are under the blood. And you have been declared innocent. Share your faith. 
You know a lot of people that need to hear the message. And I thank you, God, for them. I thank you that all of heaven rejoices over anyone who comes to Christ in repentance and salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, and we all say, amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.